Episode 179, everybody, with Al Cleveland, a man who was wrongfully convicted of murder, a man who spent 25 years in prison for a crime he did not commit. 25 years. 25 years behind bars, day in and day out, staring at those walls for doing something he didn't do. The murder occurred in 1991. It was a a horrific murder in Lorraine, Ohio, here in the Cleveland area. And Al Cleveland happened to be in Queens, New York at the the day of the murder. It was proven over the course of the years as as years went by. and, And thankfully, the Ohio Innocence Project and others were involved and helped free Al in uh, late 2020. So phenomenal conversation about resilience, about never giving up, and about appreciating life. Please welcome the one and only Al Cleveland. The Optimal Life. So, hey, welcome to the show. Uh, Like I was saying to you just a few minutes ago, appreciate you doing this. Don't yeah. even really know where to start. I mean, you just got home after 25 years in prison. You just you haven't even been home for a full year yet. Let's go right to it. Um, talk to us about what you were charged with and ultimately convicted with. Take us back to 1991, Lorraine, Ohio. Yeah. So, Nate, I mean, are you uh, are your viewers criminal justice advocates, or are you just trying to enlighten the people to? some of the horrors in prison or the criminal justice system, you know, what is it that you're trying to get across? Cause I mean, I got a wealth of information to share. I just want to make sure we're optimizing the time. Yes. We want to hear, we're going to talk about whatever you want to share and whatever you want to get into. Uh, my audience, this is not a criminal justice type podcast by any means. Um, this is just conversations with real people that have gone through real things or, or inspirational things. So I, I want to get into what you've gone through, what you went through, the mentality, all that kind of stuff. I just, there you go. Um, I just lost you for a sec, but you're back on the screen. So take us back and we'll, we'll start diving into it. What was going on back in 1991 in Lorraine, Ohio? Oh, man, Lorraine, I, I stumbled into that situation trying to help a friend out. Man. A friend of mine, he was probably amongst the wrong crowd of friends that I had. And he came to Ohio early on uh, with a couple other guys. And, you know, these guys were just making some fast cash, whatever. So he wound up getting locked up out here. And I wound up uh, connected with him. He needed some help with some bond money. So I'm like, I don't really have it, but give me a couple of days. I'll try to help you out. He made it sweet. I came out here. All right, out here for a couple of days, and he winds up getting locked up again. And I wound up staying out here in Ohio, maybe 45 days. Long story short, I don't know if you want to get into the whole story, but a long story short, man, this friend of mine was a target by the police. Nobody really liked him. Somebody gets killed, and somebody starts a rumor, hey, New York guys. And what do you know? I'm from New York. He's from New York. And uh, it kind of became a story that took legs, uh, formed legs, and uh, I didn't pay much attention, man. But uh, it turned into a nightmare, buddy. Yeah. 
true story. Well, you were you were living in Queens, New York, correct? So you're living in Queens, New York, and you were going back and forth because you got tied into these guys, and you were trying to make a a living, and maybe there was drugs involved, um, and those kind of things that you were you guys were doing because based upon what I've seen, you had a a, a career. You were trying to get in, involved in the music business. And, and doing those kind of things and you were trying to just make ends meet so you got involved with we'll call it the wrong group of guys and um, and you were going back and forth between New York and, and Cleveland or Lorraine Ohio which is kind of in that Cleveland uh, Ohio area yep. so um, this woman t- talk about for everyone that's listening just talk about the heinous nature of this crime so people can understand what happened to this woman that was murdered Listen, you know, throughout the course of my years while I was incarcerated, you know, I had to read these reports over and over again, trying to understand and figure out what really happened. It was like I had to investigate a crime inside of a prison cell through paperwork, paperwork that, quite frankly, I believe was manufactured and, and falsified and all these kinds of things. So I'm trying to learn how to read between the lines. It was crazy. So listen, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. And and I, I want to say this, man. I want to say this because I'm not talking to people that's locked up, obviously. I'm talking to people who may have reentered to society or people who are going through something, a great challenge in their life right now. I learned something, you know, prior to my incarceration, uh, Nate, I was on a football team in a really nice school. And I was probably maybe me and another guy, the only black players on the team. Okay, no problem. But uh, this school system had a system in place that they put, you put your head down and they overpowered you. They overpowered you. They had the cream of the crop picks from the community and that was their system, but my running back style was a little razzle-dazzle. Mm-hmm. My coach told me, man, you're not on soul train, Cleveland. You're not on soul train. Go through the hole. <laughs> Put your head down. Keep your feet moving. And he drilled this into me, and I used to hate it. I used to hate it, hate it. But it was something that I carried with me throughout my incarceration. And that's what I want anybody who's going through something tough, man, sometimes you got to put your head down and keep your feet moving forward. Mm. Power your way through. You think that you're going to build your mind up by no resistance? Like you think you're not going to go through things in life that's not going to help you become strong? Your body, physically, you have to use weights and stress on that to build big muscles. So in life, if, if, if... you got a big purpose. You're going to go through some stuff and it's, you might as well know what it is you're going through and try to understand that, man, this is a, this is a great experience to learn some things and get through it, man. You got to push through, bro. She was, uh, yes, yeah, that's, that's beautiful. I want to get right into that stuff, but she was stabbed 25 times. Oh yeah. She, she was run over with a car twice from my research after that. She was probably already murdered. They ran over her, lifeless body several times with a, a vehicle over her head. Is this correct? Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, that's, and, and then you and three other gentlemen 
were all charged with this crime. You were charged as a almost as a facilitator or uh, and a uh, what do they call it? And uh, not associate. Um, uh, an accomplice to the crime, maybe? Were you charged as an accomplice? Basically, yeah, accomplice. You know, you were charged as an accomplice because there was this father and son duo in Lorraine, in Lorraine, Ohio. They were informants of some sort, working with the police. They went in. They gave the police a recount of what had happened, quote unquote. The son um, said that you drove them or something like that to the place, and you guys got rid of her. Right, the other three yeah. guys took care of the business. Is this is this an accurate portrayal? Yeah. And and based upon that testimony, Al, that's what they took to trial back in nine in the early nineties. This is what it was just based on hearsay testimony. Listen, man, one person's testimony saying you did something can send you to prison for a long time, buddy. No other evidence, no nothing. I wasn't there. I wasn't in the state. I wasn't in the state. So one person saying something, putting you at a scene of a crime, can get you sent away for a very long time. Where were you during the murder? In New York, Queens, New York. And that yes. was proven. And that was proven as the years went on. As yeah, more and we, more people came forward. Nah, no people. It wasn't just that. My wife and I had to dig up evidence, do an investigation on phone calls that were expensive as hell, making a way, trying to find people, find evidence. I knew I was in New York. I knew I had to see my probation officer, trying to get records from people that don't want to give you records, and they treat you like you're a criminal, you know? Man, yeah, we had to dig that stuff up, man, you know, and Thank God I had a woman with me that was by my side, sticking sticking through it with me through thick and thin. How old were you when you got charged with those crimes? I was probably 20, 21, 20, 21. 20, 21. And this woman that's still with you today, she was in your life at that time? Yeah, around that time, a little bit afterwards. A little yeah, bit I mean, after that? Because you yeah. didn't ultimately go away. You didn't get convicted. You didn't ultimately go away until 2006. So there yeah. was a five-year period. Right? Yeah, because I thought they would find out who committed the crime and then the truth would prevail and they would owe me an apology. You know, I just waited out, you know? I'm not gonna turn myself into some little town, I'm a black guy, I'm not gonna go to this little courtroom and these people won't try to hang me? Come on, man. I knew it. I've seen that movie before, Nate. Come on. But I don't, I'm not trying to play the race card or anything like that, man. I'm telling you, it was a bad group. It was a prosecutor who had complete reign over that town and influence. Jonathan Rosenbaum, he's not there anymore. He got fired. He got corrupt renegade cops on the scene. It was just a, a bad situation. It was a bad situation. I waltz right into it, you know? Yeah. So you get charged with this heinous crime. I mean, yeah. talk talk us a little bit. Go into go, go back into your memory bank, 2001, 2002, 2003. This thing's following you now. And you're, fight, you're trying to fight it. I assume you've got 
attorneys what 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 was the mentality what were you, how were you sleeping at night what were you doing to live your everyday life during that time period when i first got into prison my first before prison se- before prison 2000 you weren't you didn't get you didn't go away to prison until 2006 correct no i went in prison in 1995 i was incarcerated from 1995 up until 2021 2006 is when we got a break in the case when that guy you're talking about, Avery, decided to come clean and uh, and it looked like I was going to be going home then. That, oh, that, that's right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm 10 years. It was it, the, the crime occurred. You are correct. The crime occurred in 91, correct? The murder. Yeah. So the murder was in 91. I'm sorry. I was 10 years off, but the murder was in 91. You didn't go away until the midnight a few years later. Right, right. Okay. So no. in ni- in 95, so okay, so the early 90s while this thing is being prosecuted or they're gathering evidence, they clearly have you and several other people as the the targets. Take us back before you got incarcerated, before trial, before all that. I mean, what are those years like? How how are you living your life with this hanging over your head? Listen here, man. Sometimes I just go for a drive or I just go out in my front yard and listen in peace. Because those years when you're being accused of something and they are dispatching information to different police telling them like you're armed and dangerous and you know, police, you, 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 you hear from family members that police went to their house and they came with guns and they're trying to hunt you down and stuff like this. It's, it's it gets really like you have some serious questions about life then and uh this really happened like so it was an outer body type of experience yet um i was living inside of this you know nightmarish situation so yeah it was crazy man having to not knowing if you were you just had the, the prison in front of you, like your future. You just saw, man, I'm going to prison. Like I'm going to be incarcerated for that something is- you didn't do. I mean, if, what, what, when you're sitting there talking to the, when you're talking to the police, Al, what did, I mean, what are you saying to them? Is there, as they're yeah. interrogating you, what are the things that you're saying back to them to try to convince these people that you don't know any of what, what's going on? Like, yeah. So they gave my parents their card for me to call them. This was in New York. I had to call Ohio. So I'm like, okay, um, I got to do this. I talked with them about it. You know, my dad was just like, you need to call out there and, you know, turn yourself in. Mom was like, no way. We're going to figure this out. So I had some choices to make. And I decided to call the police department just to see what I was being charged with. Like, who was it they were saying that I killed? You know what I'm saying? Like, I needed to understand because maybe I could have helped them out some type of way. I don't know. And when I called, they didn't want to tell me much information. But I'm trying to tell them, like, you're barking up the wrong tree. Like, wherever your investigation is taking you, like, I'm not the one, dude. But they saw me as playing hardball and not wanting to cooperate. And I was like, dude, 
who is it that got killed? What's the scenario? What happened? So they didn't want to provide any of that. I wasn't about to turn myself in at that time. I thought about it, but... Turn yourself in for what? Just to, just to talk to them? I guess, you know, if you're innocent, most people would think if you're innocent, you're going to come in and you're going to explain to them that you didn't do the crime and you go home. But I was naive, but I wasn't that naive. No, you're going to find out who did the crime and then I'll spend my time out here free. That was my mentality. Wrong, that was my mentality. So how long, How during the, uh, during those years between the murder in 01 and then the ultimately tri was the trial in what, 04, 05? I mean, no. again, 91, yeah. not, was it the trial in 94, 95? Yeah, so um, I got incarcerated in 1995, maybe February, March, 1995 and went to trial on this case here in 1996, January of 1996. You got incarcerated because what? They, they said that you were a flight risk? How do they incarcerate you before trial? Yeah, they, they had an indictment for me, man, for murder and felonious assault, the murder of this lady, you know, and they had a, an indictment. They had an indictment. I was wanted for murder, like real deal. How do you start looking at life in, in 1992, 93, 94, as it's leading up to this indictment? How do you start, how does this start changing you? How does this start making you look at humanity? I'm not gonna lie, man. My sister was, prior to that, killed buy some skinheads and I had to be dragged through that whole little ordeal and I never had a problem with people human race anybody any color any of that but when this began to happen I started thinking like man I started becoming like thinking about white people man like I don't know man <laughs> like I don't know what's up with you people you know it, you started. Uh, you started. You started having disdain towards the white, I, the white race, because of this situation. I started, I started, so with your sister being started, murdered by skinheads. I mean, that's that's understandable. Yeah. I mean, I have I'm, problems with those skinheads too. We're the same color, but you know. Yeah, that's funny, man. But uh, I did, man, and uh, I started listening to Malcolm X and uh, you know stuff like that and. You know, you, you start beating yourself with this information and it's like, man, like, damn. You know, at the same time, everything I thought about the system had proven itself to be false. Like I had to relearn everything because I thought the system was one way. I thought if somebody committed a crime, yeah, you might get away temporarily, but eventually it's gonna come to light. You're gonna get caught and that's it. But I found out now nah, it's not about truth in those courtrooms. It's about who can put on the best show, pretty much. Who has the power, the influence, stuff like that, man. As this is leading up, again, I'm just trying to get into the psyche because this is the type of stuff I really like. And this is the stuff that I try to learn from people like you. Because I can't imagine if I put myself in your shoes and I say, this has been going on now for two, three years, whatever it is. 
I'm still the prime suspect, one of several prime suspects in this case. They're not looking at anybody else. And if they are, they're not really doing anything about it. They're, they're focusing on me and these other guys. And uh, I'm trying to live my life in New York, but my life is now, I'm 20, 21 years old. I'm on hold. I'm on hold. I know that I'm eventually facing this, this prosecution. I'm just trying to understand how you go to bed at night, how you wake up in the morning and, and, and live life still during those times. Do you remember those feelings? Yeah, yeah. Um, Nate, I'm really like a hopeful type of person, optimistic, and I like to view myself as positive, though sometimes wonder about myself in that respect, you know. But I somehow knew that I would make it through this situation. I lost you. Pulling, yeah, maybe I need to. Go ahead, you're back. Go ahead. Okay, let me let me uh, let me plug this baby up. You said you somehow knew you'd make it through the situation. Yeah, I knew I, I knew I, I I didn't know I knew I was headed towards a storm and probably the toughest trial of my life knowing I and I don't like to be inside cl- enclosures like I already was claustrophobic like as a kid. So to be an artist and to be the free type of spirit that I am, this was this was the nightmare about being in prison to me. This was what made it hard for me because I like to drive. I like motorcycles. I like the highway. I like being free. And to have, to put in a box, to be put in a box, knowing I'm going to this box, you know, it's just such a smug, gray and cloudy way to live because you don't know if, if these people are gonna try to kill you. You know, they might try to kill you. And I had to think about this. Like, if they find out you're here in this hotel room that you got a room in, and they a knock on the door, like, it might not be just come out with your hands up. These people might try to kill me. We see it on TV all the time. And God knows during those times. So, so you, while you were still free, you started living a, a state of paranoia to some extent. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. I became paranoid of un- distrustful of people um you know I know you know what I never had anybody like focus on this part of the journey Nate this is a first I don't know where you're going with this or uh you know what's attracting you here but uh I'm kind of taken off guard you know <laughs> but, no, uh, no worries no worries at all uh, uh this is the type of stuff that we know the story. We could read the story. It's the stuff behind. How do you how do you handle? How does a human being handle such a devastating situation? I oh, mean, yeah. I can get choked up. I can get choked up to even thinking about it for you, Al. Suck, man. Suck, man. You know, like I just can't imagine what that must have been like. Your parents. I mean, how, they've got this son that they know is innocent. Are you guys dealing with attorneys? Are you trying to talk to the media? Are you trying to get? How are you trying to influence people to realize make, like this? I'm I'm being accused of something. I'm be, I can go away for the rest of my life for something I didn't do. Yeah, yeah. I had to make my mind up to educate myself and to learn how to write effectively. I was already pretty good at that, but speak 
effectively. I didn't want to be sitting in there quiet and not being able to tell people, have, have a voice, be effective in getting people to hear my story, you know. And man, that is a... Mm. Some people stepped up, though, man. Like, some people... You got people... That's This is the part that kept me balanced and, and set me straight is that it was a school of kids that came through and was out on the streets investigating and trying to get me free. These people don't even really know me, but they're fighting for me. Some of whom I'm friends with now till today, like Katarina Lyson, who's an attorney now for Nat Geo. These people at Northwestern at the Ohio Innocence Project. This is what got me. I said, you thinking this stuff about, you think it's a white black thing. It's not a white black thing, man. These people are trying to help you. Where's your people right now? You know, where are they? Who's trying to help you? No. So I had to really like, look at this man, like, you know what, man? You got to judge people on the content of who they are individually, not as a group. Stop that. That's ignorant. That is wrong. Limitations. Um, so yeah. Good people, man. It's good people out there. It's people listening to this podcast that might, you know, have somebody who's incarcerated or wrongfully a family member ill. They might want to help. They might be inspired to help. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Some of these people, it happens. Some of these people are telling the truth. They get in the, look, these people that's wrong. Look, Nate, lastly, I, I, I don't want to keep going. I don't want I don't I can go on, man. But with wrongful at Ford or at U.S. Steel who work punch a clock. No, they get people who are on the fringes of society, maybe selling drugs in the streets and these people become the perfect candidates to pin a crime on. Mm. Mm. So yeah. Absolutely terrible. And that makes it even tougher to get out because they smear you and you don't have any power and families most don't have any money, any power and it's just you're up against this machine. That's like, it's bad. If 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 it's the bad. system if the system wants you to go away, you feel like they can put almost pretty much anybody away if they really wanted to. Yeah, they can. After what you've gone through, after what you've seen. Yeah, unfortunately, because they're operating still under the cloak of darkness in the courtrooms, and a lot of those biases and sentiments that they have are taken out. In that arena, it wasn't captured on film like George Floyd's incident. No courtrooms; these things can can play out, you know, in a terrible way, and the result is mass incarceration. And talk to us about that date, that cloak of darkness in the courtroom, that yeah. date back in the mid '90s, the final part of your trial. The jury comes back into the room. Take us through that moment. What's going through your mind? And then ultimately, once the verdict is read, what, what happens? And, and, and how, do you, how do you even comprehend? Yeah, so Nate, you're, you're bad, dude. You're bad, man. But my mother was there, and the jury came out. And mind you, the way this small little courtroom was set up, my back was to the jury the whole time. And the prosecutor sat across the table facing the jury 
So mm. just think about the psychological effect of that, man. And I turned around to watch the jury, and none of them could look me in my eye. I pretty much knew, dude, you're going down. And uh, the prosecutor was so confident I was going down. When everybody got up, when the judge walked in, this guy didn't even get up, man. He slumped back in his seat and folded his hands across his belly and just waited for the verdict to, to be read. Like he just, like he had it all set up, man. And uh, it was just, I was like, man, this is one arrogant guy here, man. How could he do this? He had to know this story doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't fit for such a serious somebody's life you're talking about. You just you're gonna send somebody away for based on a crackhead's testimony who has admitted and lied multiple like, huh? Really? Judicial system need to get it together. I'm praying for you though. I'm praying for you. You know, I believe prayer is effective and I'm praying my heart out that you get it right and you take some stride system so they can stop behaving themselves. Because right now, bro, it's... That jury comes walking out, though, Al. I mean, is your is your heart palpitating? Are you like... Are you just like, what is... This is real life. I can't believe this is about to happen. I mean, yeah. Are you? Do you feel like you can't breathe? And what? What is that? What is that feeling like? This? This is something that no human being should have to endure. Yeah, <clears throat> I was. I was so tense, man. I, re I remember balling my fist up and not even knowing it. And then the co-attorney that had me, that was there with me, she just like rubbed me on my back, like, "Dude, like it's gonna be okay. Calm down, right? You know." And she was always kind of like coaching me in that manner, like, relax, relax, relax. And, um, yeah, so when the jury came in, I looked at the one lady, and she she was, she was, her vote was with anger, you know, like, she believed what she heard, you know, and it was almost like, this is personal, you know, and... I just, I told the judge, like, when he, he told me guilty, when he read guilty, the, the voice from my mom screeched, like, it just took a big chunk out of her, and I just asked the judge, you mean life, life? Like, he sent, he sends me to life. It wasn't, like, a number. You have life. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm going to spend the rest of my life here? Oh. So you got a life. I'm like, I didn't do this, though. You know, wow! Your mother screeching out in in the most in agony, pure agony, and then yeah. you get walked away behind, and you get walked away, and that's and that and that starts your yep. rest of your twenty five year prison term. Yeah. When, yep. <laughs> when what, what's the first night in prison like after the verdict and you're guilty, and now you're thinking you're spending the rest of your life in this behind bars? What are those first days like? <sighs> first day go back to your cell in the county jail which is pure misery in and of itself torture torture county jails in the 
this country should be ashamed of themselves. But I sit, I go back, and I don't know if you've ever been like really drunk and your head is spinning and when you, you got to open your eyes so it stops spinning, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was one of those. I curled up in a fetal position, hurting, and I'm gonna tell you something though. During it was during that night, in that pain, that I actually felt like pieces were being put back in my body, like I was being made stronger. You know, by the time I woke up, I was stronger than I was the day before, and. I felt like I had something to, to, I was being girded up for this journey, Mm. toughened up. In a weird way, after this trial, was it just, even though you were just sentenced to a, a small, tiny, disgusting room and living space for the rest of your life, was there something really twisted about the on the other side of the psyche that was kind of like, well, at least the trial is over with now. I don't have to guess. Uh, nah, because nah, you start. Yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess. Yeah. But you're still not thinking it's reality. You're still hopeful. You're still thinking I get the appeal. I, I, they, they made a mistake. They're going to fix this. It's, it's, you know, I'm, it's not going to happen to me like this. It's can't, you're still in unbelief. Right. You're in shock. You're in a state of you're absolute shocked. shock. You, you can't are. believe that this event that happened four years prior has stuck with you for every single day since, and now they've yeah. convicted you of doing it. You yeah. weren't even in that city, let alone, you weren't even in the state. That's right. You were in Queens. You weren't in Lorraine. And now, four years later, they t- do a trial, and they all con- they convict you. And you're like, this is real life. Holy shit. My life is over. I'm 20 some years old. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Are, are you, do you start looking at like, I don't know if you were a, what your relationship was with faith and, and God and spirituality, but are you cursing God? Are you, what, what are you doing when you're in those, those first several weeks and months as you're trying to adapt to this new horrific reality? I wasn't cursing God. I knew better than that. Um, I just had, I just knew I had to work, man. I had to, you have to fight like on multiple levels, you know, one, educating yourself, main, increasing your, I had a relationship. Like I said, I had a woman, I had to, you know, they demand attention and demand a certain amount of effort in a relationship. So I had to do that within there. I had to launch, launch an investigation. I had to ask people for money to fund my little ventures to try to acquire money to pay investigators and lawyers. This is ongoing. This is multiple. This is warfare, man. I was at war against some people that had unlimited resources. Right. You know, I didn't, I didn't, 
I knew enough not to sell drugs or anything like that. Not gonna do that. Um, you, the, the temptation was there. Sometimes you're saying sell drugs from your prison cell. You're talking about. You, I mean, it's plenty. It's it's in there so plentiful. Sometimes sure. you think like, look, this investigator wants thirty five hundred to do X Y Z. I need X Y and Z to get a motion to go back into court to get this evidence. Like maybe I should just, you know. But no. And I had a good woman. She wouldn't even as much as get a burnout phone like these illegal phones that guys were getting. She wouldn't do it. We had to pay a bill. 300. I don't even know how we got through this, but uh, sell. Yeah. Turmoil. Turmoil. Um, fight. And um, you got to dig deep, man. You got to dig deep down. It, it, yes, you do. I mean, to just survive. As the years are going on, um, as you're serving this quarter of a century long sentence, the years are going on. At some point, I have to imagine, even if you're as strong as a rock and you're gotten, you were building yourself up and you were probably bettering yourself and reading and maybe educating yourself in different areas, there has to be moments where you wake up or you're sitting there and just like rock bottom, like uh, where you just feel like this is, you give up almost on life. Did you ever experience those moments? My, my, my rock bottom in there was when I received a letter from a young lady that I was, I was crazy about, I was crazy about, but she was more crazy about me. And I didn't treat her like I should have treated her like, you know, I had another girlfriend and, you know, I hurt, I hurt her, I hurt her. And, but I knew she was really in love with me. You know what I mean? And when she sent me the letter, she let me know that she's married, a school teacher, just checking on me, found my name on the internet. But she reminded me about this incident, you know, and I had forgot about it. And it's just like, I, I start thinking like, dude, how could you treat somebody like that? Man? What was you thinking, bro? And this something girl from never, your past, something from your past with this woman yeah, that you were yeah. un, 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 you weren't proud of the way you handled the situation. Yeah, but I this was. was before. This goes back before the the murder in ninety one. Yeah, correct? yeah, yeah. And I was a kid. I was a teenager. Right. Teenager. But I'm just saying that that really made me feel like, dude, I was wrong, man. You are wrong, bro. You've been doing this wrong, like. And you can't play with people's heart. You can't play with God. You can't. You got to stop. You know what I'm saying? So I had to get serious with God and ask him, like, whatever it is that you have me here to do, like, let me get about the business of doing it. Like, what's the, what's the, what's the, the name thing that if these many names, like, whoever you are, reveal yourself to me. Let me be about this business because I can, you know, do some things. And, uh, Let's go. I just meant business. And that's when things started to change. Like when I like, yo, I need I need you. Like, I need you. Did you Can't feel like you were being punished for all your other wrongdoings that you did in your life and you kind of justified this is why I'm in jail now? Everybody everybody does that. And that's that's the problem, you know. It's the guilt. It's overwhelming. Everybody look, everybody has done things they're not proud of. Absolutely. Everybody. Yes. And 
you get in a situation like that, you're gonna be you're gonna be thinking, I'm here because of that. I could be here because of that, 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 that. Everybody really deserves. We all really deserve prison, hell, you know, because we're mankind and we're subject to being evil. But thank God, you know, I don't know where you are spiritually, man, but I thank God for Jesus Christ, you know what I'm saying, for dying on the cross and taking, you know, my foolishness, man. And that's what I believe, you know, that's me. And uh, I had the, one of those moments, you know, and I had to like, and he did reveal himself to me. He did, he did. And that's when it became real to me as a man. And dude, I'm, I'm flawed, man. I got, I got, trying to, I've been out eight months, you know, trying to find my way. Yes. Made some nice strides, but it's not easy. I don't really feel you like were, you were robbed of twenty five of your most uh, prime years of your life. I mean, how can how can you expect within one year to have it all figured out? No way. It's impossible. It's a th it's a one day at a time kind of thing. Um, before we finish off, uh, looking back throughout those twenty five years. We always, if you're a spiritual person, of course, one of the things that we we do is is everything happens for a reason kind of mentality, right? It sounds like some of that stuff you've you've taken with you. Um, what was the silver lining? Was there something that you that was really powerful that you took from that experience that you've gone through that was actually a silver lining through it all? Yeah, yeah. Look, I was able to be a blessing to other people. My wife and I, because we went through everything, we developed a program about all the lessons we learned along the way and the program exploded in prison and we were allowed for couples, the women were allowed to come in to the prison, man. And we could have relationship uh, experts come and counsel us and we could get one-on-one -on -one counseling. And we, I mean, it just took off. We developed a curriculum and a book we have, my wife and I, for anybody going through incarceration. If they wanna know how to make it through, like we have a, a nice book that can help help you. What's the book called? Three Strands, One Chord, A Couple's Guide to Understanding Incarceration. Right here. Three Strands, One Chord. We'll link this up in the show notes. Can you get this on Amazon? Yep, Amazon. Alfred Cleveland. One chord. Yeah. Okay. Alfred and Roberta Cleveland. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. So, so, so that would have clearly never have happened had you not gone through this. And now you're hoping that you could help hundreds or thousands of people around this country. I'm rep we're representing the families of the incarcerated, man. That's my goal. I'm not there yet. But I want to stand up for the families of those who are sticking by those in prison. That's where my heart is, that's where my wife's heart is, and and the incarcerated, but the families, man. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's powerful, that's, that's beautiful. The silent victims, yes. they, don't, they didn't commit a crime, but they're suffering through with these guys and girls. They get the same kind of sentence that everyone else, that their loved ones get, in a, in a little bit of a different, they get, to, they get to be outside of those four walls, but it's a internal prison sentence nonetheless. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, finally, that you talk about being only home, but for less than a year at this point. Take us back. I've asked you to take us back to these moments in time. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you to take us back to the day that you were finally let free. Mm. What was that? Ah, yeah. So I wasn't exonerated, so it wasn't like a big, big thing. You know, I was in quarantine for 14 days. I got paroled. So I had, I kind of, they planned my release. But I, my family was out there and it was amazing, man. To actually, it felt like I walked into a miracle. Like these miracles you read about, I like walked right into one. Outside, into the world. It was beautiful, man. It was like, yes, yes. My grandkids, my family, they were there. And it was the most beautiful thing, man. In the midst of the world, COVID and everything, and it was a bad year, but ah, that's the silver lining. It was a blessing for me and my family, man. So I don't know how to take how you wow. take that. And that like, first night that you're back in, in, in your normal home, are you just like, oh my God, I'm I'm out? Did you become institutionalized in a way? Was it was it weird to leave prison? I'm I'm finding out it's not institutionalized, but there are some things that incarceration has done to me that I I'm, I'm seeing I have to be careful of like I want to be isolated sometimes and don't want to be around people yet I'm a married man and have you know family but it's a certain part of me that has to be alone and this comes from just being around too many people for too long, but I got a nice little oasis. Praise That's God. That's bloody blessing, man. So without that, I'll probably be going crazy. But um, I'm blessed. Hey, hey, I want to leave on the up note, Nate. I'm blessed, man. I'm here. You guys are here. And it you could be going through something like it doesn't have to be incarceration, wrongful conviction. It could be an illness. It could be your spouse is going through an illness. It could be something, somebody, your mil somebody's away in the military that you love. I mean, it, it's so many things that can happen to a person, but just know, man, that be hopeful and keep pressing forward and don't give up on people and don't give up on love. Like, love is what got me out of here. It was people that love me that that held me up like this all the way through. I have people that love me. That's got me through it. It wasn't money. It wasn't any spectacular. It was some people that said, yo, we believe in you and we believe that you were wrongfully convicted and we just want to stick it through here with you. And they love me, man. So as I'm dark ready. as dark as some parts of yeah. humanity can be. It yeah. sounds like you've seen the other side, the complete opposite oh, yeah. end of the spectrum, yeah. where how beautiful humanity can be. So yeah. you've really experienced the whole threshold here between 1991 and then 2020 getting out. You dealt that's with a nice way to, that's a nice way to put it, man. That's you nice dealt with the, the whole spectrum. Yeah. Al Cleveland, guys, check him out on Instagram. Alfred Cleveland three. Alfred Cleveland three on Instagram. We'll link up your book in the show notes. 
Right. Well, I'm here locally, so hey, man, let's stay in touch. I'd love to meet you sometime in person, shake yeah. your hand, have a cup of coffee, and uh, continue our conversation. This has been very enlightening, and I'm happy you've got this next chapter. This this is when life really begins, right? The next yeah. chapter of your life to live and, and, and do all these positive things. So thanks for everything, Al. All right. Thank you. Great job, Nate. Thank you. Ryan.